Hi, yes, good morning, folks. Welcome. It's August 30th. What am I saying, August? January. <laughs> I'm way messed up here. January 30th. Well, are you behind or are you ahead? Are you are you thinking ahead or are you still stuck back in I, August 22? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's the 30th. You got that part right anyway. <laughs> And, of course, uh, the last day of the month tomorrow. So uh, I I don't know where that came from. Doesn't matter. January 30th, 2023. And um, today a free-for-all edition. And um, Rodney's here, as you can tell, and uh, we're having a good morning. Um, It's funny how uh, over the weekend, each weekend, you come in and things are different. (laughs) And... and, and Dave, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't, uh, I, I don't understand. But um, we're, we're, you know, it's gradually settling down, this move to our new site here on the 223 Columbus Road. But um, it's funny how things are just little things. And once in a while, even a big thing um, changes uh, sometimes um, overnight. <laughs> well, anyway, good morning. Um, free for all a day uh, today. Um, this is January thirtieth. Does it feel like a Monday to you, Dave? Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it doesn't feel like a Monday to me for some reason. I, I don't it know. It does not. No, it, it, it doesn't. Well, maybe uh, you've had a busy weekend. Well, um, I did, but I didn't. Um, I kind of like checked out. I think on Friday after the uh, Reds caravan over mm-hmm. there at the Athens Community Center, and uh, I went and I spent some time with my uh, my grandson. Oh, and, cool! Well, both my grandsons and my new baby granddaughter uh, took. Uh, one grandson home with me and uh, we had some fun so my daughter came down we had a cookout uh, there saturday evening it was uh how, it was, how far away do they reside uh, i live in jackson they live in chillicothe which is about a 40 yeah. to 45 minute drive from okay. where i live yeah not mu- not much different than than athens really <laughs> sure sure well um January 30th, what happened on this date? Let's talk about historical events initially. In the year 1661, on this date, Oliver Cromwell, Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of England, is ritually executed after having been dead for two years. (laughs) I don't get it. Well... See, he I guess he, in some folks' eyes, he might, may have been considered a, a, a tyrant. He was um, a rather brutal uh, leader, I guess you could say. He, he took over uh, uh, both Britain and Ireland um, using uh, military force, I guess, in, in some ways of, of governing um, to retain the power. And I guess he had a, a very brutal campaign in 1649 in Ireland. Well, okay, but he died of uh, natural causes initially? 
Um, that's the best that I can understand. But like you said, I think they ritualist, uh, ritually uh, executed him because... But that was two years after his death. Well, that I guess that's how bad of a taste it must have left <laughs> in their mouth at the time. So ritually executed. Did, was he beheaded? What? What? Well, how did they do that? That, that would be interesting. <laughs> maybe, maybe they made like a, a stuffed mannequin of him like they do nowadays and burned him or chopped his head off or hung him or something in ceremony because... Terrible. Yeah, Terrible. yeah. Well, all right. Our next event uh, occurred, uh, oh, 150 years later in 1815. Burned U.S. Library of Congress reestablished with Thomas Jefferson's 6,500 volumes. 1902, Britain and Japan sign a treaty after six months, no, no, after months of negotiating, which commits each country to supporting an independent China and Korea, although it acknowledges Japan's special interest in Korea. That definitely a time in history, uh, obviously, when I wasn't alive, that uh, Japan, uh, a world power, uh, even more so than what uh, China was um, back then, you know? Yeah. It's turning around to be like that again almost, it seems, as well. <laughs> 1933, on this date, President Paul von Hindenburg appoints Adolf Hitler as the Reich Chancellor of Germany, uh, who then went on to form a government with Franz von Papen, is it? I, I believe that's that that's that's how I would say it, Dave. Okay. And and that 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 kind of began the Nazi regime, if you will. It kind of started introducing that uh, that one um, single solitary uh, dictator type uh, government uh, that they had. Um, I guess you could call it. But uh, that's when uh, Nazi propaganda all began, and, and and that lifestyle all started. Six years later, to the date. Adolf Hitler threatens Jews during his speech to the German Reichstag Parliament. Um, yeah, a lot of things happened in six years. 1948, Mahatma Gandhi assassinated by Hindu extremist Nathuram Gadse. Uh, Gandhi. You know, he was cool wasn't he? he he was and i i think uh you know whenever you read about him you think uh uh you know and, and i don't mean this in a derogatory way but like uh the hippie mindset of the 1970s uh, you, you know the, the yeah. it, it has a lot of overtones of that i think that a lot of uh, the concepts of of that era were probably uh, you know studied uh, Gandhi's ways were studied. He he was a peaceful individual, um, radical in a lot of ways, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, especially you know because I mean he he had a lot of uh, uh, changes in uh, well South Africa as well as in uh, his home country of India yes. uh, by um, basically I, I guess Britain rule uh, made India. Citizens, second-class citizens, is 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 ba basically what I gathered from it, and he he just wanted everyone to be treated equal. You know, can't we all get along, man? <laughs> yeah, boy, how many times we've all said that, right? I don't know who coined the expression, but can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. The last item I have to mention is the state funeral that was held for Winston Churchill at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. This occurred in 1965 on this date. And at the time, it was the world's largest ever state funeral. Winston Churchill. All right, some famous birthdays, and I always need your help, JJ. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> Rodney. Okay. Um, Christian Bale, B-A-L-E, uh, is celebrating his 49th birthday to me. Now, I, I used to be up to date on names and things like that, but over the years, it's I've lost the art. So this is probably someone I know very well, but I don't. He is, actually. I mean, I, I'm the same way as you. Uh, my my significant other, you see a name, she can, I, I mean, even though she has, she can't tell me anything about her own personal friends or her family. She can tell me everything about nearly every <laughs> actor and actress on television. Yeah. But, but Christian Bale, I mean, obviously is a name, you know, when you hear it, you recognize it, but... Uh, he he was uh, he, you see him in a lot of uh, different movies. Uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, 1987 war film Empire of the Sun was kind of I guess his breakout. But something that a lot of folks might uh, recognize him in is uh, he played superhero Batman in Batman Begins and again in the back uh, the Dark Knight in 2008 and uh, to the Dark Knight Rises in 2012. So uh, that might give you a little bit more of an idea who he is. He was that Batman. Well, Gene Hackman. Oh, did we even mention it's his 49th birthday today? I, I think I failed to do that. And we're talking about Christian Bale. Okay, now we move on to Gene Hackman, who's celebrating his 93rd birthday. Wow. And um, everything from the Poseidon Adventure in 1972, uh, the French Connection, A Bridge Too Far, mm -hmm. Superman. That's the one that I remember him from. Uh, was uh, he was kind of like uh, the villain in Superman, if you will, the one that uh, was always after him with the the. Uh, I guess he was Lex Luthor. I guess would have been his uh, uh, character in that one, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Well, a former president, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Born in, on this date in 1882, he died in 1945. Um, FDR. Then um, <coughs> this last one doesn't mean something to me, so I really need your help. Okay. This is a long time ago. Livia, L-I-V-I-A, that's all it is. Born on this date in the year 58 B.C., and she lived till uh, she, I assume, I'm even assuming a gender here. I just don't know this name. 29 A.D. Uh, she was a Roman empress from 27 B.C. to A.D. 14 as the wife of Emperor Caesar Augustus. Hmm. Well, we certainly know that name. Yes. Uh, you know, okay, empress... And if she were the top dog, she would still be called Empress, even though there was an emperor at the time, right? I, I believe so. I believe that that might be the, um, 
title given like king and queen that may be the title given to the uh, wife of the emperor maybe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you would you think you would enjoy being an emperor or an empress well not an empress but but an emperor or a king you know <clears throat> no I, I think that, that having, I mean, myself personally, you know, not being born into that mindset, uh, the responsibilities of uh, an entire nation, so to speak, and uh, making decisions on a daily basis, uh, and, and, you know, every decision that you make is for the good or the bad of the people that are, are around you, I mean... Um, that would be a tough, tough job. I mean, the one thing that I, I would say, if I were in that situation and in, to enjoy it, I would have to have a good counsel to uh, talk things over with, that's for sure, because I, I wouldn't want to be responsible for everything. Advisors. <laughs> yeah, advisors, yes. Yeah. What about you? How, how would you like to be king, Dave? Well... I, you know, I like mowing my yard. <laughs> and I'm afraid that there are some things that I enjoy doing that I would no longer be able to do. Absolutely. And, and I don't mean to make it as simple as mowing my yard. But... Um, Life wouldn't be what you know it as now, definitely. Uh, to some degree, most of my life I've been in charge of things and, uh, and have held important roles that I'm proud to have held. Uh, but I always was also able to be a person, a human, a personality, social um i i don't want to give the, any of that up and i would think in some of these roles it would disappear absolutely okay well let's see famous deaths uh, mahatma gandhi born in 1860 died died in 1948 gandhi we hold him in rather high esteem don't we Absolutely. Uh, like I said, you know, he kind of set a, a precedence for folks, I think, um, being peaceful in, in protest. And he did show that things can uh, get done by peaceful protest. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, it, it's hard to keep a mob of people peaceful. <laughs> yes. Even if their points are valid and, and honorable. Absolutely, yes. It can still get out of hand. Orville Wright is our next famous death and in um, our last for today, um, according to today's notes. So Orville Wright was born in 1871, but he died on this date in 1948. So Gandhi and Orville Wright on the same date. Wow, same year too, huh? Yeah. And uh, Orville Wright, of course, was um, see aviation, right? Yes, uh, he was one of the Wright brothers. Uh, he and his brother Wilbur 
uh, were American aviation pioneers, generally credited with inventing and building and flying the world's first successful motor-operated airplane. Uh, they made the first controlled sustained flight of a powered heavier-than-air air aircraft with the Wright Flyer on December 17, 1903. It flew four miles uh, south of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. I would drive past there several times each summer. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure which one. I think they both were equal. As far as, you know, in the design, they helped each yes. other out. So, yes. um, My wife, Pat, who's gone now, but um, her father built an airplane from scratch. Wow. And uh, just the other day, I came across a photograph of him taxiing it, uh, down uh, um, some sort of runway or something. And... Um, you know, he also crashed in it <laughs> at one point. You know, interesting uh, about it didn't take his life, but I mean, he was injured. Yeah, I you know I know a lot of uh, amateur pilots. I guess you could say that have had little close calls like that and things. Uh, fortunately, they most of them have been all right. But you know, interestingly about the Wright brothers, you know, uh, Ohio. We, we like to claim uh, stake our claims because the Wright brothers, you know, worked and lived and grew up there in, in Dayton, Ohio, and a lot of that was conceived and I'm sure tested. Uh, of course, the state of North Carolina also likes to lay the claims of uh, being the first state in flight as well as uh, they uh, were the state. Like we said, Kitty, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina is where the first motorized plane flew, so um, that is at least documented anyway with the uh, Wright brothers here so uh, both those uh, lay claims and, and I think there's a third state that that may have some claims there because I'm not sure that the Wright brothers or both Wright brothers were actually born in Ohio I think they may have been born in another state and came to that state so there's another state that has a little bit of claim to it if I'm not mistaken <laughs> I, I just don't know but uh, <laughs> But we do certainly hear about North Carolina and sometimes Ohio. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, let's turn our attention to the yep. news. Here it is. I'm sorry. Wilbur was born in Millville, Indiana. That's that's uh, that's why I okay. knew that. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, national news, if you will. Memphis, Tennessee police announced Saturday... Today's Monday. They would shut down the special unit responsible for the Tyree Nichols' death. One day after footage of his severe beating was released to the public. The footage sparked protests in at least a dozen different cities. Nichols, who was 29, was, fatal, was fatally beaten during a January 7th traffic stop by five former officers now charged with murder. The officers were part of a so-called Scorpion Unit, which consisted of 40 members, a special task force created back in 2021, to patrol high crime areas. Well, protester groups temporarily blocked highways in Memphis, in several other cities Saturday, 
while 1,000 National uh, Georgia National Guards were activated in Atlanta. Reports say demonstrations have remained peaceful amid heavy police presence. That's a good thing. One thing that I that I noticed, I, I was listening on uh, national or in, uh, I guess I was listening on the news this morning. Um, they were talking about one of the uh, things they were talking about was uh, wanting to defund the police departments even more because of this. Uh. Because and, and you know, unfortunately, you know, just you know, looking at this as a whole, the Scorpions unit, I'm sure, was a, a great thing that uh, special tactical unit that was put together kind of like what you know you think about SWAT and things like that that these things was put together with good intentions but uh, you almost have to think that the group of individuals that um, were assigned to that unit must have gotten like a god complex sort of thing where they thought that they were you know uh, judge juror and executioner of everything that was going on and uh, I, I think that's you know what it boils down to rather than uh, defunding police departments in my opinion I think it goes more towards um, we need to better educate these tactical units and uh, try to uh, spearhead these types of attitudes that come from these types of uh, that groups because you know I'm sure they were an elite group of officers and and the more they did and the more good that they felt like they were doing out there they felt stronger and more empowered and therefore that's led to them overstepping several boundaries in this particular incident um, Terry Nichols the person who passed at the hands of um, these policemen was a federal a FedEx worker. He also was the father of a four-year-old. And uh, it's they say that at the time that he was stopped, he was um, on his way home from simply taking photographs of the sunset. Ha. Huh. Well, weird. Yeah. There's, there's got to be something deeper to that, you know. You, you, you would think, but um, we're simply reporting what we have before us. The um, last night's uh, football uh, <laughs> events, um, of course, our region was particularly rooting for the Bengals, and I don't need to tell you why. You all know, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't end up that way. I did. You watch the game? I did. Um, I'm one of those people. Unfortunately, like whenever I start to root for and cheer for, especially if I start to watch um, a game, it seems like it always takes a turn for the worst for the team that I am uh, rooting for. So I tried to stay away from it. But <laughs> I, I will say this: every time that I turned it on just to check and see what was going on within 30 seconds kansas city would get a big play and i would uh, i was like oh no 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 so i changed it and i was kind of surprised to see that the score was 20 to 23 uh that the Bengals came back as as much as they did and uh i i've i've heard a few people noting 
And, and this was people that, that aren't even have no vested interest in the game as fans or anything saying that they felt that, you know, uh, the NFL's uh, uh, refereeing, I guess, was left to question after last night's game, whether it was rigged or whether it was just poor judgment. They said uh, they, you know, they didn't necessarily agree with the way some things went down. And, you know, looking at the stats, it's kind of interesting. Joe Burrow was actually the – leading rusher for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals with 30 yards. And uh, and overall, the stats, I mean, are, are pretty even across the board except for about a five-minute time period that Kansas City was able to hang on to the ball more than, than the Bengals. And I think that could have probably been the uh, one of the, you know, if you look at it on paper and not watch it, that could have been one of the big factors in that game. Well, it's all settled now. The Philadelphia Eagles will face off against the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl LV2. That'd be 57. <laughs> I truly don't know. I think L is a 50, V is a 5, and 2, uh, the, the okay. I's would be 1, so 57. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the, the, you know, after I both believe, teams yeah. won their respective conference championship games yesterday. And the Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers. The score was 31 to 7. And um, Kansas City topped the Bengals 23 to 20. Um, so Glendale, Arizona will host the championship Rihanna is going to be headlining the halftime show (laughs) in her first live performance in five years there's been a lot of uh, talk about that it's not a topic I normally follow so I don't know I I normally don't either but uh, you know it's been topic enough that it's caught my attention I guess uh, some new releases are about to come from that artist Um, what else is in the news Australia's uh, officials in Western Australia scrambled over the weekend to locate a tiny radioactive capsule believed to have been dislodged from a piece of mining equipment as it was being transported for repair. Did they find it? I I heard something about this earlier in the weekend. I didn't know if they had found that or not. Uh, I don't know, but we'll go on with the story and see if they tell us. (laughs) The effort is expected to be exceedingly challenging. The capsule, while posing a significant radiation hazard, is less than a quarter inch in size Hmm. and was lost along an 870-mile stretch of desert highway. The tiny source contains cesium-137 and was part of a radiation gauge used to measure radioactivity in oil and gas processing plants. The device had been packed sometime in mid-January with the absence of the capsule noticed Wednesday. Hmm. 
Officials expressed concern that someone would pick it up without realizing its purpose. The exposure risk when standing about three feet from the capsule is roughly to e equal to receiving at least 10 times X-rays power wow. per hour. And, of course, the mining company that's involved, Rio Tinto, I think it's called, apologized for the panic. Um... Let's see, what else do we have here? The Australian Open still underway. Um, that's tennis, of course. Women, National Women's Soccer League to add franchises in Boston and Utah. And San Francisco. And uh, the Copa America uh, tournament, it's a 16-team women's tournament, soccer, is, uh, has now been tapped to be hosted here in the U.S. Oh. Well, let's see here. The U.S. stock markets... Closed Friday. Closed Friday. Closed higher Friday. Um, all three of them. Standard Poor's, Dow, and the NASDAQ. All were up. Only a little, but a little's good. Um... And NASDAQ, by the way, posts its fourth consecutive gain, uh, fourth consecutive week of gains. Good trend there. Yeah. There was a big story being covered this morning on uh, television about pharmacies. Uh, and specifically, they were talking about Walmart and CVS and Walgreens who have announced they're reducing hours amid staffing shortages. Well, I've noticed for the last year or so, the, like um, CVS is closed uh, for an hour during lunchtime. Um, and I thought that was a little odd. But this seems to be getting... Uh, the um, shortages seem to be growing yet. And now it's affected uh, still some other country, uh, other companies. And for all I know, they were affected before, but I just, <clears throat> I'm most familiar with CVS. But, um, you know, we have some great pharmaceutical schools nearby. Um, I know my dad was somewhat involved in founding the pharmaceutical school up at Ohio Northern University, up in Ada, Ohio. But uh, certainly Ohio State and others have some great schools. Um, I wonder why there's a drop in interest in that. 
I, I don't know. And maybe that's not the right way of saying it. Yeah, I'm not sure what, you know, why people aren't going, but this might be some incentive for folks to step into that because um, I'm reading here, Walmart uh, reduces hours but raises pay. And both CVS and Walmart state the reason their pharmacy operating hours are, are being cut are to improve the employee's work-life balance yeah getting a lunch time right um and, and walmart is cutting the pharmacy uh cutting the hours but it's also going to be giving uh, a raise in pay to its technicians as well so mm. i i don't know how much but uh i'm sure well um in that i think that's true of all of them well it says uh, walmart announced higher wages for more than thirty-six thousand pharmacy technicians raising their average hourly pay to more than twenty dollars per hour mm-hmm. well let's see here what else is going on israel reportedly hits iranian defense facility in the city of ishahan ish Isfahan, there we go, Isfahan, with several drone strikes that occurred on Saturday. While the extent of the damage is not exactly specifically known, um, it was damaged. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak fires Conservative Party Chair Sunday following an ethics investigation surrounding his tax payments. 41 people were killed in southern Pakistan after a bus fell into a ravine Sunday. Hmm. And then, if that wasn't bad enough for Pakistan, they had 10 children who drowned in a separate boating accident in the northwest part of the nation. Interesting note about Pakistan, as you bring that up, we were talking about Gandhi earlier today. Uh, India and Pakistan, Pakistan was actually a part of, uh, India was like, I guess, one big region or whatever is what they called it. But uh, whenever Gandhi uh, stepped in and and did what he did, um, it actually, there was a separation there between uh, Pakistan and India itself that made it two countries. Sound like I know what I'm talking about, don't I, Dave? <laughs> well, better than I do. Um, there are so many stories that we have the opportunity to share with you. And it's, once in a while, it's a bit of a task to, to think, well, we only have an hour or 50 minutes, I guess. Um, which ones do we share? Right. Because there are so many. Um, but we're doing our best, and we hope you appreciate it. Um, let's turn to um, some stories out of the New York Times. Um, a surge of immigrants. No, migrants. Okay, that's an immigrant versus a migrant. An immigrant migrates from another country. <laughs> and a migrate is it's, already here. 
Well, migrating is like moving from one area to another, and an immigrant is coming in is someone that is, is coming in, I think is probably the best way to put that. Well, let's see if the, f- the story makes it clear. A surge of migrants taking buses northward has led Mayor Eric Adams to describe New York City as close to a breaking point. Hmm. Uh, Now, the subtitle for this story is Seeking a Strategy. Many Americans see the flow of migrants crossing into the U.S. as primarily a border issue, and with good reason. As uh, we will document, the the boundary between Mexico and the United States is where the vast majority of illegal border crossings occur and where many people come to seek asylum. But as the country confronts a surge in migration, its effects are increasingly far-flung. Thousands of migrants are transported to Democratic-run cities, like, like Chicago, Philadelphia, and Washington. Today's newsletter will zero in on perhaps the biggest destination, which is New York City, to explain how the movement is testing the city's pledge for compassion and scrambling politics thousands of miles from the southwestern border. New York City has prided itself for centuries on being a haven for immigrants. Even today, nearly two in five residents were born in other countries. Huh. Interesting. However, the pace of the current wave of arrivals has little precedent. Since last spring, at least 42,000 migrants who say they are seeking asylum have arrived in the city in need of shelter and basic services. The escalating emergency has prompted Mayor Eric Adams, a Democrat, to declare that New York is nearing its breaking point. He made the migrant the, the migrant situation a focus of his annual State of the City address, which he delivered last week, and he is increasingly gone from where others in his party have balked, joining Republicans to call on the White House to step up its response. Well, how did it all get started? The origins of the current migrant influx to New York can be traced to last summer when Governor Greg Abbott of Texas began paying for buses northward for foreigners who had sought asylum at the border. The gambit had clear political motivations. Abbott is a sharp critic of President Biden's immigration policies. He was seeking to saddle Democratic cities with some of the financial burden of caring for the migrants 
and to increase pressure on the president to crack down on illegal border crossings. Well, Democrats accused him of cynical partnership and cruelly using migrants as political pawns. But Republican governors in Arizona and Florida soon followed suit. Border cities and nearby states run by Democrats have also helped thousands of migrants travel to major urban centers. <clears throat> Though typically without invoking political overtones. New York City has seen far more migrants arrive than other big cities, big northern cities especially. In one recent week, more than 30, I'm sorry, more than 3,000 asylum workers arrived in New York City in one week. In one week alone. By comparison, Chicago has absorbed more than 5,000 asylum workers total since August. So Chicago getting five during a period of four months. New York City, 3,000 in one week. You know, just touching on this a little bit, um, I, I understand that, you know, the frustrations and I, I and whether you agree whether you agree or disagree with the idea of what you know these governors ha have done, the idea that you got to think about and take into consideration is put yourself in those border town and border states' shoes. And you know we talk about the over influx in New York City and different places like that by sending some of those to those places. Imagine with the number of people that are coming across the borders, what those areas themselves are like. So, you know, I mean, the idea, probably not a bad idea. The way they went about it might not be the best way they went about it. But when you think about the size of the United States, it's almost like it needs to be, you know, the, instead of putting them all in one place, they do kind of need to be dispersed throughout the United States to kind of even things out so one area isn't overtaxed or overburdened with uh, overpopulation. I don't know how to go about it, but I'm just you saying know, in a big picture. That's I'm, reason I didn't run for office, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a sucker. <clears throat> and what I'm getting at is I feel badly for people yep. that are struggling. I agree. And I want to help. And there are cases in my lifetime where we have allowed someone to stay in our home through a difficult period. Um, in fact, uh, we did the count the other day. There were 27 who have lived in our home. Now, many of these were not these migrant things. They were just... Um, exchange students. But there have been cases of someone that was going through a really difficult period in their lives. And for the most part, it's been a rewarding experience. But there, there are those times of overburdens and taxations on yourself, so to speak, that makes it a little uncomfortable or uneasy, and you have to fix the situation. 
And there's times when, you know, um, Mercy, their lifestyle doesn't fit what you want for your home. Right. But we've tried to be patient and helpful. Uh, I don't know why I brought this up. <laughs> I, I diverted you off track, Dave. I'm good that's, for that. That's all right. That's all right. Anyway... New York and its vast network of aid groups prides themselves on supporting migrants. The city also has decades-old legal requirement to shelter anyone who asks. For now, city leaders are including migrants who recently entered the country. Well, as a result, the city is reporting a record number of people sleeping in its shelters. It is a network of those. Mm -hmm. And has opened nearly 80 hotels and other relief centers with beds to migrants, including one at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. In some cases, the city or nonprofit groups are also paying for translation services, legal support, and meals, enrolling children in schools, and assisting parents who are awaiting court hearings in a system with years-long backlogs. The city says it has spent more than $300 million since last spring. For a rough comparison, the city spends about $400 million a year on public libraries. In a turbulent economy, the extra costs could force the city to trim some popular social services, though state and federal aid could lighten that burden. Well, there's a lot of politics involved in this, too. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to skip that part because <laughs> I just... I just I, I think um, each side has some valid points, but what about people? Right, the the human side. That's that's the side that we need to focus on, and what's best for all involved, not necessarily one sector of people or 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 anything like that. I think we need to think of what's best for all. Let's see here. I, recently, there's been a little talk about gas stoves. And gas um, supplemented fireplaces and things like that. Right. Um, and we now have uh, at least one scientist who's being paid by the gas industry to tell people that these things are safe. Whole different story. Tech workers are investors, and investors are flocking to startups that promise to combat climate change. Another story, two recent earthquakes in Texas were part of a surge in seismic activity there related to oil and gas production. Um, just another one-liner, a building boom is driving up temperatures in Baghdad, already one of the world's hottest cities. 
a, a, a man in a ski mask threw a lit Molotov cocktail at a New Jersey synagogue. Utah banned transition care for transgendered youth. Uh, there's just these one lines that you think about and they make you wonder why could they explain the greater need for this and that we are out of time folks we want you to have a marvelous day we'll try to come back and join you again tomorrow morning with some more interesting news and commentary In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.